Well, I got to tell you guys, it is so uh, good this morning to be here with you. It really is. Like I walk in here and I'm like, it is just so good to be here uh, with all of you this weekend uh, as we come together, as we gather together uh, to celebrate the extraordinary story of God, right? The, the, the grand story of God that has been unfolding throughout history. We call it the gospel, uh, this beautiful story of God's love for us, his rescue of us, his plan for us, his purpose in us. I mean, all of that, we get to celebrate that. And then we also get to celebrate the, the little story that just took place this week in your life and mine and how that big story unfolds into it. And we, we get to come together just to celebrate God. And then, and then we get to inspire one another through this story, this grand story of God, and through our stories. We get to inspire one another so that we might walk out of here into the week yet to come, uh, that we would be ready to, to, to walk into deeper devotion and greater mission for the kingdom of God. So, so it's good to come together, isn't it? It's good to gather. But I would tell you that the scripture uh, would, would argue that it is far more than good to get together. It's far more than just good. It's, it's just good to get together, so let's do it. The scriptures would actually argue that it is a gospel assumption that we would be in community together from now on forward. That would be a way of life for us. In other words, the scripture would argue it is not good, it is necessary. It is absolutely necessary that we regularly do life together once we have come to know Christ. In the book of Acts, which is really the first book describing the life of the, the early New Testament church, the, the section of the story, the chapter in the story that we still function in today, and in the very beginning of the book of Acts, this assumption is made immediately. Now you remember that the people of God are standing with Jesus, his disciples, he's about to ascend. He tells them, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come and send you out on mission. I'm gonna fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit. And when I do that, my kingdom will expand and the gospel, the redemption of my story will expand. And so that's exactly what happened, chapter one, chapter two. So you, you're not even in chapter uh, three yet, you're in chapter two. And this is exactly what happens. The Spirit of God comes and fills his people what happens when the Spirit of God fills his people? The gospel is preached. When the gospel is preached, thousands come to know Jesus. And immediately after that, we bump into Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And listen to what it says. Acts 2, 42, literally the beginning of the story of the early New Testament church. And here's what it says. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed, those who had come to Jesus, were together and had all things in common. That word together, they were together. They were together. It doesn't even mean they were geographically in the same building. It just means all those who believed, they were just together. They, this is an assumption, they're together now. They're together. They're a group. They're together. Look what it says. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. See this assumption? Once the gospel goes out and people come to Jesus, what's next? 
is an immediate communal experience where we do life together. From here on forward, as the authors of Scripture will now instruct this new wondrous thing that is emerging, this community that is coming out of the great work of Jesus, the early New Testament church, as they instruct them, you will see this theme of community as an assumption, as a necessity, play out in everything. Let's go to the book of Romans, right after the book of Acts. We'll just kind of jump book to book and see what happens. Romans chapter 12, listen to what it says. Romans 12, chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think of with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now watch what it says. Look. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individual members one of another. I mean, it's like, I am of you. You are of me. We are one body. There is this assumption. And then literally, uh, the very next paragraph, here's the fruit of this community. Let love be genuine, verse 9. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. There's this, this is what it looks like. Here it is. Welcome to life in the gospel. It's community. It's togetherness. It is sharing life. Uh, you, you turn to the very next just book in the, in the sequence, uh, 1 Corinthians, page 623, 623, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here Paul is writing again to a different group of people representing the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And then chapter 12 and 13 goes on to say, what life looks like is a life of love. Uh, without love, we are uh, gonging symbols. We are, we are nothing. So the, the fruit of this community is this extraordinary life of togetherness in one, in one another's lives. Now let's just move right on through. We go from the letters of Corinthians to the, letters, the letter of Galatians. Paul writing to a different church now. A different church. Look what he says. Galatians chapter 6, page 633. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Wow! How do you want to fulfill the law of Christ? Bear one another's burdens. Can you bear one another's burdens when you are alone? Now there is an assumption of community. You cannot bear one another's burdens unless you're in this together. This is what it looks like to live a gospel life. The, the next book, just go, Ephesians. Just take Ephesians. Go to chapter 4 of Ephesians, page 634. Next book, different church. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So that's a big statement, right? I'm about to tell you how to work, walk worthy of the gospel. Wouldn't you want to know the answer to that? I want to know the answer to that. Look, here it goes. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to want to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Fulfill the law of Christ, bear one another's burdens. You want to you walk worthy of the gospel? Walk together. Walk together. Do this together. Uh, let's, uh, let's just flip next, next book. Just, just jump to the book of Philippians. Here it is, right? Philippians chapter 2 verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, what, what is that saying? If you know Jesus, if you have the gospel, if this is true of you, then let's see what must be true next. What is the assumption? Any af- uh, affection and sympathy complete my joy by, uh, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others." Others, others, others. Community, community, community. There is an immediate assumption of Scripture that if you know Jesus, you're in community. That the great rescue of Jesus rescued us not only into an eternity with God, but into a community on planet Earth. And so both matter, both are necessary, both are part of our rescue. This weekend, we are here to celebrate baptisms, the extraordinary and wondrous reality of baptisms, this sacred thing that we get to step into, a sacrament that Jesus gave to us and called us into an obedience. And when we celebrate baptisms here at Mosaic Church, we take the entire gathering, we step out of the current series, whatever that may be, and we dedicate the entire time to focusing on this sacrament of baptism. What is it? Why why are we doing it? What's going on? The reason that we step out of current series and go, it's baptism weekend, folks, is because we have come to realize that when we come to celebrate baptisms, it is not simply us celebrating the personal spiritual journey of an individual as audience members to that individual. We are not here to be an audience and go, well done, well done, we're so proud of you. Baptism is in fact one of the grandest collisions between the personal spiritual journey and the communal spiritual journey. Baptisms is about all of us whenever we celebrate anyone being baptized. It is about that person's personal spiritual journey that could not exist without the communal spiritual journey as one body together. It is the person declaring to us I am here crazy in love with Jesus because God, by His grace, chose to reveal Himself to me through a biblical community, 
a biblical person somewhere, and now I'm also here before you saying, I intend to follow Jesus the rest of my life. Will you help me? Because I can't do it alone. See, it is, it is the, the heart cry of the great rescue of God, but the rescue of God in the context of community. That's why this is about us. It's a, it's a place for us to come regularly into baptisms and go, why am I here? Why am I here for baptisms? Why does that matter that I sit and participate in this gathering with my heart and mind and not just sit back and watch and clap? Because baptisms is shouting something at you. It's shouting at you first and foremost. Do you remember that Jesus rescued your soul? Do you remember that? Has it been a tough week? Has it been a bunch of stuff going on? Are you inside out and upside down? Have you blown it somewhere? Did you say some things you shouldn't have? Did you do some things you shouldn't have? Are you feeling shame and guilt? Are you in the middle of stuff that you don't understand? Are you, are you struggling with sickness that seems to just be bearing down? Does it look like the enemy's winning again? Jesus rescued you. Jesus rescued you. He rescued you so that all that doesn't matter anymore. Don't you get it? None of that can affect your eternal life anymore. None of that. None of that can take you from him anymore. None of that can separate you from the love of God anymore. How terrible was it this week? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter because you have Jesus and that has changed everything. Baptism shouts that at you. Shouts it at me. Don't ever forget your rescue. Don't ever forget what he's done for you so that you might walk out of here stirred up in that. And then baptism shouts at us. It shouts at us. We need each other. We need each other. You see, because if you don't have each other, what are you going to do? Forget the gospel. And when you forget the gospel, what are you going to do? Live on this planet with your eyes fixed on this planet, on things below. And the scriptures are clear about what it feels like to do that, right? When you have your eyes fixed on things below, it's a mess for you. When you have your eyes fixed on Jesus, on things above, it transcends the circumstances, relational challenges, uh, the resource challenges in which you live, and you begin to see them as great opportunities in which to deepen devotion to Jesus, get to know him more, and live on mission for the kingdom, make him known more. And we need each other to do that. I'm going to I'm going to show you a story now. It's one of the uh, ladies that got baptized uh, in this sequence of baptisms. And I want you to watch this story because this story beautifully illustrates this wondrous collision between someone's personal spiritual journey and how the community of God comes in and Jesus uses them throughout the journey to push, to prod, to stir, to spur on, to bring revelation, and ultimately to land her in a place where she can stand before her biblical community and shout, I'm crazy in love with Jesus. Take a look at this story. Rachel, I'm crazy in love with Jesus, and this is my story. So I grew up in Georgia. I lived there practically all my life. Um, I grew up in a family that um, went to church regularly. Um, my parents plugged my sister and I into environments where we could hear truth and um, would have community with other believers. And um, but despite that, despite the um, goodness of that situation. I still struggled in my teenage years with um, issues with self-confidence and um, self-esteem and 
I just didn't really love who I was. Um, I was constantly criticizing myself. I didn't see myself as um, worthy or um, accepted in the eyes of a lot of the people in my friend group even. Um, and so it was a really, really tough time for me. But um, one of the greatest uh, blessings in my life has been um, just the way that God has placed specific people in my life, um, friends, uh, families of my friends, and um, different mentors um, in my life that love Jesus so much and um, were able to love me in my darkest times and the times when I was really um, the most unlovable person. But even in those moments um, where I thought that I wasn't going to be accepted, um, they still loved me. And, um, and it was just an incredible um, thing to just see how Jesus was able to enter into that. And, um, and his love was actually illustrated to me um, by my friends, just by the way that they were selflessly loving me, um, even though I was unlovable. So one of the greatest ways um, that I saw God um, transform my life was through an organization um, called Flood Student Community Missions. Um, it was a service organization where I was able to lead students in um, various community um, service projects around the Atlanta area. Um, and it was specifically at the most recent retreat that we had this past August, um, just seeing the way that their high school students um, who were so not inwardly focused, like I remember being in high school, um, just they were so focused on others and, and serving the world and serving their the people in their schools. They were totally keeping their eyes on Jesus. And um, so that was one of the, um, the moments that I just felt overwhelmed um, by Jesus's presence um, on that retreat because I saw how they saw Jesus. And then I started to actually see Jesus for who he was and how um, how big he is. And, and um, it was just one of the most incredible moments of my life. I just decided um, 100% that I'm going to surrender everything to him and live my life in a way that I'm completely focused on him, um, that he is um, the joy in my life and uh, that he is just my mind and my heart are centered on him. Uh, one of the things that happened on that retreat was I was able to experience um, a spoken word um, that really spoke to how my heart was feeling um, after that moment of just surrendering to Jesus. And it gave me this new sense of faith and boldness in the Lord. And uh, and it was a good thing that that happened because um, just a few short weeks after, um, I was given the opportunity to make a pretty big decision um, to move to Florida and work at Disney World. And I just don't believe that if I had not had that moment, um, I, I don't feel like I would have taken that risk and that um, and stepped out in faith to see what God would have had for me here in Florida. So I thought that Florida was just gonna be a little three month gig for me. Disney was just a bucket list thing for me. I had always wanted to work here. And so I was just gonna check it off my bucket list and go back home to Georgia. But um, it has been almost a year and I'm still here. So um, 
that says something. But uh, Mosaic was actually one of the biggest reasons why I decided to stay and why I continue to decide to stay. Um, as, <laughs> because uh, I was actually able to um, meet some of my greatest friends um, and like incredible people that have really helped me along my journey with um, with Christ. And um, one of those people was Skye. Um, she was actually a friend of mine at Disney and um, Mosaic just kind of came up in conversation and she um, really encouraged me to come and, uh, and check out the campuses and um, she got me plugged in and introduced me to a lot of people um, and I was sold, <laughs> I was sold. Um, I just couldn't get enough and so I am now involved in um, children's ministry and blue shirts and like I'm serving at both campuses. I love this family here. Um, I love uh, just all of the people that um, are continually just encouraging me um, and just giving me basically a place that I can call home even though my family and my home are seven hours away in Georgia. Back in May, um, at the end of one of the sermons, um, Renault was leading our discipline time and the discipline that day was meditation. And he um, gave us a verse from Jeremiah. Uh, it was Jeremiah 15, 16, and he had us meditate on that. And um, it really spoke to my heart and um, just really uh, inspired me to um, to spend some intentional meditation time. And um, it just really, uh, got me thinking of the things that were the joy and the delight of my heart or the things that I had made the joy and the delight of my heart. And um, and I just really wanted to be intentional about um, making his word the joy and the delight of my heart. Um, and that time of prayer and meditation just led to this realization that I had never been baptized before. I talked to Skye and I, and I let her know, I told her about um, about just this week that I had had with Jesus and like how awesome and real he had, he had made himself um, to me that week and just uh, how much I was just like on fire about this. I was like, I've never been baptized and I don't know when I'm going to, but I really feel like I need to step out and do this now because um, I want to live my life um, for Jesus and I want him and his words to be the joy and the delight of my heart and, um, and I want the world to know that. And so she was like, oh my goodness, she was like, I mean, Mosaic does baptisms like all the time, so we can talk to Holly Gallagher, we can talk to like all these people and um, you can be baptized, you can be baptized at Oakland, you can be baptized at Walt Disney World, there's lots of different ways you can do it. And I was like, oh, that's great. But then I was like, I've always had this vision of me being baptized outside. And I know that sounds crazy, but like, it's just this vision that I feel like God's given me and, and I just like wanna, I, I wanna, I mean, maybe there's a way that that can happen. And, and she was like, wait, are you coming to Sunrise Worship on Tuesday? And that's like getting up at five in the morning and driving to the beach and, um, and being there super early and just making that sacrifice. But it was just one of the most amazing memories of my life. Um, just so much freedom and joy and love was in that moment. And uh, Jesus was Jesus was and is amazing. And, uh, and I just have no words for, for that moment. It just meant so much to me. I don't know if you picked up on it. Did you pick up on it? A season in her life where 
uh, she would say she was unlovable, and what happened? The biblical community loved her despite that. And then a season in her life where uh, she was uh, trying to figure out what it meant to lay her whole life down for God, and she watches a couple of students at a worship service uh, make Jesus big by following him, and she goes, if they can make him big, I can see him as big. How often are we not called to love the unlovable, or how often are we not called to just live our lives following Jesus? So someone who's watching can go, oh, that's what it means that he's big, and, and be drawn into that beautiful journey. And then coming here to a new place and having someone say, hey, I'm part of a church family. You want to come? And what did she say? This became my home away from home, that we would be that for somebody and bring them in. And, and then as she was digging in and being challenged and spurred on toward devotion and mission for Jesus, when she wants to take these big steps, the community going, we can do that. We can do that. We can do that together. And then she ends up on the beach with her biblical community stepping into this extraordinary sacrament of baptism. I mean, no wonder the author of Hebrews in chapter 10 said, do not neglect meeting together, but instead come together and stir one another up or spur one another on toward love and good deeds. He was like, man, you don't get it. You, you miss that piece, you miss it all. And so here we stand uh, at baptisms again this weekend. 16 people being baptized throughout the weekend here at Oakland and a boatload of people that have been baptized over these last few weeks and months at the Winter Garden Campus, the Disney Campus, and in missional communities, in swimming pools and at oceans. Uh, you're gonna get to see that in a minute. And so people being baptized, uh, being, uh, stepping out in faith and obedience to Christ saying, I follow Jesus, thank you for helping me, please help me still. There it is, there's baptism, it's beautiful. And so as we step into this morning and you get to watch people by faith and obedience step in and declare to you, Jesus rescued me, thank you, please walk with me. May the gospel be made beautiful to you again. May you be inspired by the rescue of Jesus and go, he saved me too. He saved me too. And we shout back and forth, yes, I get it. So exciting. And then may you and I be inspired, be challenged, be reminded of the necessity of biblical community. That we would not neglect meeting together that we would not allow the enemy to convince us that because we have a busy day, a busy week, a busy life, that we can be sporadic in biblical community. Because the, the scripture would argue with that and say, man, it's dangerous territory. Come together, do life together, break bread in your homes together, gather together in the temple, come together in the day, speak into one another, and live life following Jesus. This is our privilege.